the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us, we'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcast. Sports MLB Show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 127 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show and a Shana Tova to all of our Jewish friends out there celebrating the new year, uh, which to be honest, if you had to guess, 85% of our listeners uh, I, I, I don't guess, man. You know, we certainly don't want to pigeonhole based on demographics, but that's my estimate, about 85%. Shana Tova, Happy New Year, Happy Rosh Hashanah, Happy Labor Day to all those celebrating as well. Hope you Big enjoyed, holiday. Hope you enjoyed the day off because tomorrow we go back to reality. Summer's winding down, kids go back to school, and all of a sudden the fall frenzy begins with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Midorski. Uh, unlike last week when I recorded this podcast at 4.45 in the morning, my time, I'm back on the East Coast. It's 8.15. We're wrapping up the holiday by recording. So as a result, for our BovadaSportsbook.com pick of the week, uh, we're going to do it a little bit differently. We don't have any games to pick because, again, because of Labor Day, everyone played a little bit earlier. But last week, we made some award picks. And my NL Cy Young pick was Walker Bueller. Um, but we both said, watch out for one of his teammates. And I think after today, I've been saying it since the before the season. I just you, if there's two things that we've each been in on, I would say for me, it's the Lance Lynn train, and for you, it's always been the Max Scherzer train. Uh, Scherzer today against St. Louis. Look, Chase, I, I can I, I want to extrapolate on that for a while, or I, I mean, not a while. Can I get can I go for a minute here? Let me just say my Scherzer stat and then go for it. Uh, Scherzer today against the Cardinals. Uh, one run, unearned run over eight innings, struck out 13 in a 5 nothing win at Bush Stadium. And with today's masterpiece, he's now 5-0 and with a 1.05 ERA and 63 strikeouts and seven starts since being traded to the Dodgers. The only pitcher to win a Cy Young when they were traded midseason was Rick Sutcliffe in 84. Uh, Scherzer right now I think has the inside track to do it. Uh, when we get to the league leaders, we will. I will at least extrapolate on that a little bit. But I will let you go on your Max Scherzer rant. You deserve it. Go. Well, I actually have two rants now. You, you opened me up for two. One, philosophically speaking, I never, ever, ever bet against the old guard. I think that your people are too prone to giving up on people a year early. I would always rather give up on a guy a year late. So until Max Scherzer proves that he is not one of the top five pitchers in baseball, I will continue recommending you put all your money on BovadaSportsbook.com on Max Scherzer to win the NL Cy Young. I think I, it just, just he is so good and has been for so long and is showing, is he showing any signs of decline? No, uh, he actually finished up today's game at 2,994 strikeouts. Uh, so bearing a very unscherzer-like start at this time next week, we will be uh, referring to the new Mr. 3000, Max Scherzer. He'll likely join the 3000 strikeout club within the next week. Honestly, we no, will have to start talking to about, this isn't the point I wanted to make, but Chase, 
I'm going to have to ask you this. The question about Max Scherzer is about to become, we'll be the first podcast asking it. What percent of the Hall of Fame vote does Max Scherzer get? So based on my predictions for how I think the rest of the years are going to go, the rest of this year is going to go, Scherzer will be in the 3,000 strikeout club. He'll have, four, he'll have four Cy Youngs. Mm-hmm. And I think the Dodgers are going to win the World Series, which means Scherzer will have been uh, probably the ace on two different World Series winning teams. I think the floor is – The floor is 95 in my book. I think the floor has got to be a minimum, the 92 to 93% range at a minimum. I'm sure there are going to be some schmuck old school writers who dock them because they'll only have slightly over 200 wins. But uh, to me, yeah, the four, the four he only has slightly only 200 wins for now. I mean, what does he have now? Right now he's at, I think a hundred, a low one, low one nineties, high one eighties. He's not going to touch 300 wins. Um, but at the end of the day, you're talking about the four Cy Young club. If Scherzer gets it done, Steve Carlton, Greg Maddox, Roger Clemens and Randy Johnson, end of list. I mean, you're talking about four of the best to ever step on the pitcher's mound, and he would be mentioned in that, you know, category and with that group. I mean, does a fourth Cy Young award put in in your mind as a fourth? I feel like at this point, across people our age, it's Scherzer, Kershaw. And Verlander in a class above everyone else? Uh, so right now, it's funny. I talked about this in the Uber on my way to a Yankee game today. I went, if I had to order those three, I actually have Kershaw third. Um, I think Scherzer has the three three Cy Youngs, but has been a little bit more dominant throughout and better in the postseason. And the only reason I go Verlander over Kershaw is just it's the longevity thing for me. Plus, he's thrown three no-hitters, which in my mind is uh, something. No, I think well, I think it's – I think I thought it was great. two and a 20 strikeout game. I'm talking about Verlander has three no hitters. My apologies. Ah, oh, but Scherzer yeah. has the 20 strikeout game, which only, you know, I think Ver- Verlander really have three, three, no hitters, 2011, 2007 and 2019. Yeah. And an ALCS MVP. So to answer your question, if Scherzer wins this Cy Young, he's indisputably the number one of that group. Yeah, I mean, he's if he gets this, if he sneaks into this scion and another ring, I mean, I would, I feel like, how do you not vote him? I mean, what what kind of old school writer would say he? I feel like it's easier for an old school writer to have a gripe with a hitter than a pitcher. I do agree with that. It's just you never know what these old school writers and what they're going to stick with. Their principles are weird. Such is life. Uh, I another, forgot my second point, but I liked that first point enough. Another award voting shift I want to talk about is we both said that Randy Rosarina was going to be AL Rookie of the Year last week. Uh, and he still is the Bavada favorite at the moment. But given his teammate, Wander Franco, uh, he tripled today at Fenway Park, and his on-base streak is now at 36 games. It's the longest active on-base streak in the majors and ties him with Mickey Mantle for the youngest such streak in AL history by a player 20 years or younger. Uh, given that Franco's got that narrative and he's now up to 290 with an 823 OPS, is there any way you think that he crashes the AL Rookie of the Year party, or is it just a little bit too little too late in terms of when he came up? I mean – I think it's just a little late. And I mean, his teammate had Franco was obviously, was he number one to the number one prospect? He was the number one overall prospect in baseball. 
So the hype was there, but the Arosa, what Arosa Arena did in last year's playoffs, I think. I mean, I feel like you stopped the bull form based off that. Whether it's fair or not, people, I think, yeah, they do have that image in Arosa Arena's mind as a big game player. And, uh, you know, look, he's, he's had a great year. It's just Wander Franco. Uh, he, this, I think Arosa Arena looks like a good player. Franco is showing off that he's a transcendent player. I mean, he has that potential for sure. He absolutely is, is showing that he's got that. He can be that one day. So going to the league leaders and the standings, we'll start with the standings. AL East right now, Rays are 87 and 51, eight and a half games up on the New York Yankees. And I guess now will be when we'll talk about it. Uh, the Red Sox are half a game behind the Yankees in both the wild card for the second wild, or the Red Sox have the second wild card, half a game behind the Yankees, both the division and the wild card. Blue Jays, 14 out, three in the wild card. Orioles rounding out the division there. Uh, the Yankees, since that winning streak, we talked about how last week was a must-win week for the New York Yankees. They lost two or three against the Angels, two or three against the Orioles, lost four nothing to the Blue Jays today. And looking at this team, they just seem flat. Uh, Glaber defensively really struggling so far. Gallo has 51 strikeouts in his last 106 at-bats. Today he had the Golden Sombrero, struck out looking three of those four times. I'm just starting to wonder if the bats go flat again and the bullpen, which is battered as it is now is out without Britain for the rest of the year, even though Britain was terrible. Uh, but Jonathan Loisga, which is more major. I mean, he has a rotator cuff injury. He's not going to throw for 10 days, uh, which means who knows when he's going to be back at the regular, at the end of the regular season. I know it's crazy to think given how high we were riding last week, but is it possible that this team could fall out of the wild card altogether now? I, I don't think we're falling out of the we. I don't think the Yankees are falling out of the wild card at any point. I just think there's you can be concerned about the offense and you can be concerned. I I'm still my still chief concern is the pitching behind Cole. I mean Cole, we may be touching on this one in a bit, but Cole will win the AL Young. I know the odds, the Bavada odds shifted crazy in his favor last month. He went from plus two seventy-five to minus three hundred, more or less. He'll win the Cy Young, but I just don't – I just – I don't know who's going after him. But the bats will be there. I mean, you can say what you want. This is a mini count, though, which happens after you win 13 in a row. We're not going to win 13 in a row and lose one win 13. I would still say the Yanks are comfortably going to make the playoffs, but I still don't trust – I don't trust us. I don't trust the team. Yeah, the rest of the rotation behind Cole Kluber has been okay as, for, uh, as, as two starts off the injured list. Nothing to write home about. Tyone today, seven innings, three earned against the Blue Jays. We'll take that most times out. Montgomery's ERA now is actually in the three fours, which is top five in the American League. Uh, Nestor's been solid. It's just, yeah, at the end of the day, you have one ace, and then nobody you feel great about behind him. Uh, it's a bunch of starters that will keep you in a game, but no one that's going to go out and win you a game. So we'll see what happens. Even in the AL Cy Young race, we will see what happens. I think if Robbie Ray has anything to say about it, Garrett Cole may not win the Cy Young. Ray had another 10 strike got out in this week. He has just been absolutely nasty for the Blue Jays. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Yanks got to figure this out quickly because the difference between them and the Rays, and the Rays are going to run away with this division at this point. I mean, no doubt. They, they picked up games when we were going on a stretch where we won 14 to 16 games. They won 15 and one. Uh, but the difference between the Rays and the Yankees uh, that set us apart in terms of the echelons of the American League is that the Rays beat bad teams that they're supposed to beat. They were 18 and one against the Orioles. This that, year, this, the Yankees are losing those games. 18 against and the one Orioles. against the Orioles is ridiculous. 
We lose these games against the Orioles. We lose these games against the Angels. Teams like the Rays, they take care of business. That's ultimately the difference in the division. Uh, so we'll see what happens the rest of the way there. The American League Central, White Sox 79 and 58. They are nine and a half up on the Indians. Tigers 65 and 74. Royals, Twins rounding that division there. Again, 65 and 74 is nothing incredible, but I got to just give a shout out to AJ Hintz. This Tigers team was supposed to be so bad. And the fact that they're playing competitive baseball right now, I think just shows that, yes, he's a cheater, but AJ Hintz is also a great manager. Uh, and then in the AL West, Astros 79 and 57, four and a half up on the Mariners. A's five and a half and third. Mariners are two and a half back in the wild. Good for the Mariners. A's three and a half. Angels, Rangers rounding that division there. Um, Scott Service and Jerry Depoto, the manager and now team president of the Mariners, they both got new contracts. I'll touch on that in a little bit. Um, but if you're an A's fan right now, uh, this is amazing. A couple of weeks ago, you were firmly the wild card team, and they're just in free fall mode right now. It's it's pretty harrowing to watch as a baseball fan. And credit to the Mariners too for taking care of business. I mean, this is the thing with the A's. This is the A's team. If you look on paper, this is what you expect from an Oakland A's. I mean, the roster isn't overly inspiring. I would say. Which is crazy, too, because Starling Marte has, was probably the – him and Scherzer were probably the acquisitions of the deadline, in my opinion. And Turner. I would even go Marte over Turner. I mean, Marte is the first player in baseball history to have 20 steals with two different teams in a season. He has been the table setting for them. I think, yeah, it's like you said, though, at the end of the day, you can have a bunch of really good players, but Matt Olson, great player, not a superstar. Uh, and superstars help you win in the uh, down the stretch. And once Chris Bassett got hurt, you know, that pitching is a lot of solid but unspectacular arms catching up to him. Bullpen's a little overworked, so we'll see what happens down the stretch. But, I mean, the Mariners, if you had told me the Mariners would be two and a half games out of a playoff spot on September 6th, I would have said you were crazy, and it really is a credit to what they've done. I'm not going to talk about them too much because we'll talk about the extensions a little bit. NLEs, Braves, 72 and 64. They are one and a half up on the Phillies. The Mets, all of a sudden, 7-3 in their last 10. They are 500, four games out of the division, four and a half of the wild card. Marlins and Nats rounding in that division there. It seems like the NLU's pendulum is never going to stop swinging. Uh, what do the Braves need to do to solidify the fact that they are the best team in this division? Because to me, it, it's pretty self-evident if you watch the NLU's teams play. I mean, the Braves are the best team in the division. I don't know. They're clearly the best team. Even without Acuna, they're still the best lineup. And, I mean, I watched the end of the Mets team today. I still trust their back of the bullpen more than the other two teams. As crazy as Will Smith has been all year, at least they have um, at least they have depth. None of the arms are that great, but between Richard Rodriguez, Will Smith, um, they have Luke Jackson. They, they just have a lot of solid arms. Brought Shane Green back. They just have a lot of solid arms they could throw out there. They have enough guys. And I mean, who would you say is the ace of the Braves right now? Morden. You have a, I think you have an ace who's playoff tested. And if you go him, Max Freed, Ian Anderson, one, two, three, I think people forget Max Freed and Ian Anderson not only delivered in the playoffs last year, but they got some good playoff experience where these young guys aren't going to be phased by the big stage of October. No, I mean, I still think – I mean, I, it's very easy to forget now. The Braves are up 3-1 on the Dodgers last night. After this. I do forget it, to be honest with you. Yeah, they, they very – you can make a very legitimate claim they should have won the pennant. I, I mean, they, they probably should 
The Braves should probably be the reigning World Series champion. Interesting food for thought. NL Central Brewers, 84 and 55. They I are, guess the bigger point there would be the Braves as a whole, their playoff experience. They'll be fine. Brewers, 84 and 55, 11 up on the Reds, who are one back in the wild card. Cardinals, 69 and 67, 13 and a half back in the wild card, three and a half back in, no. or sorry, 13 and a half back in the division, three and a half back in the wild card. Cubs, seven game winning streak, 64 and 75. Pirates in last place there. My question for you is the Milwaukee Brewers, I mean, they're going to run away. They've run away with this division. I don't think they're going to catch the NL West teams. So at what point, if you're Craig Council, how much are you balancing going for it down the stretch versus making sure you're 100% healthy and locked and loaded for the playoffs, uh, knowing it's all, it would take a historic collapse to not win the division at this point? I mean, if I was Craig Council, whoever my – I mean, he has three legitimate Cy Young contenders on that team. I would just rig it for my favorite. I would just make sure my favorite is the one that I – mean, if I, like, would – I don't know who Council likes and doesn't. If I if if Council loves Corbin Burns, you give him all the stars against the Pirates. They're all, I mean that division is over. They're in the playoffs. They won the NL. They'll be the two seed because the Braves are cash to leave it. Yeah, they're pretty much locked into their two seed. I guess I didn't think of it that they're locked into that fate. Yeah, Brewers just get healthy. I mean Willie Adamas, he's on the injury list right now. He's been the big spark plug for them. Get healthy, get locked and loaded, ready to go, and make some noise in the playoffs. NL West, Dodgers and Giants, they were tied exactly going into September. They had scored the same amount of runs against one another um, and were 500 against each other going into the year. Giants won the series the past three days, 3-2. Three, uh, they are one up on the Dodgers in the division. Dodgers are 13 and a half up in the wild card. Padres, 73 and 64, hold the second wild card, third place in the division. Rockies, D-backs riding out of the division there. I think ultimately, even though the Dodgers lost a season series to the Giants, I just think down the stretch, Walker Bueller's not going to get shelled often like he did yesterday. I just think as great Today. as the Giants. No, that was yesterday, Bueller. It was Labor Day. Scherzer pitched today. You're right. And he crushed it. Correct. So Bueller got rocked yesterday. I just ultimately think down the stretch, the Dodgers are going to be the team that wins this division. Uh, but for the Padres, even if they win in the wild card game, Am I crazy to still think that at this point, it's similar to Girardi with the Yankees 2017, Tingler's done? I, you, you can make a very strong case to get rid of Tingler, but you have to under, I don't understand, but uh, I'm not inside the head of AJ Preller. If Preller's on the mindset that this is a World Series caliber team, which he should be, and he just doesn't think that Tingler's the guy to get him over the hump, then you have to make a move. My question for you would be, is there a move out there that is such an upgrade from Tingler that it's worth making? To me, this is a team, to be honest with you, I think they need a veteran guy who can show these young guys the ropes. Um, I know some people think that it's good to bring in a young manager to grow with your players. In a lot of cases, that has worked. Look at Rocco Bodelli with the Twins the past couple of years. Kevin Cash. And Hinch. Hinch. I think this team, though, uh, I think they have the winning players. I think they need – I wouldn't hire a Buck Show. I wouldn't hire Buck Showalter, but I think they need a Buck Showalter type, an old-school baseball guy to get them to play hard. I mean, Buck was the name I was thinking, just if you want to go the complete other route on Tingler. Like, I, does it make – do you want to make change just for the sake of making change, or is there a better option? 
I would have to do some digging because to be honest, I, I don't know the answer offhand, but I would think the answer is yes. I mean, if you think there's a better option, you think a better option. It's a World Series caliber. I also think there's guys who are in current jobs that if they were offered the Padres job would leave for the chance to go manage this team. I have a crazy one for you. You think if I was, if I, you think they should bring, should Bud Black go home? I don't think they want him. Honestly, you know who I would hire on if I was this team? Bring Bruce Bochy home. That's the guy I would hire. Bochy would be a great option. If, if Bochy says he wants the job, then you hire Bochy. No the fans would love it. The players would love it. I think it's a win-win for all parties. Moving to the league leader side of things, run scored leaders. Bo Bichette is second to his teammate, Vlad Guerrero Jr., 105. I apologize. I saw Bo's name first. Uh, Vlad Jr. leading the league with 162 hits. Do you think he would be the heaviest player to ever lead baseball in hits? I know he slimmed down, but he's still a big guy. Uh, did Miggy ever lead the league in hits when he was in batting ground? Let me do some quick research on that. Because other than Miggy's the only other option. Never led the league in hits. I'll do some. Keep, keep going. Doubles leader Jaime Jaime Candelario with 39 for the Tigers. Triples leader David Peralta with eight. Home runs leader Otani with 43 and Salvador Perez for 41. So for those keeping track at home, your home run leaders in baseball this year are a pitcher and a catcher. Couldn't have drawn that up. I mean, not this catch. RBI leader is Jose Abreu with 103. Walks leader Juan Soto with 112. Your stolen bases leader is Starling Marte with 42. Batting champion of baseball, Nick Castellanos and Vlad tied at 321 apiece. OBP 444 and Juan Soto. Slugging Tatis 635 and OPS with 1.014. That is Vlad Guerrero Jr. Pitching side of things, Scherzer has overtaken Bueller with the 228 ERA. Wins leader is Julio Urias with 16. Uh, and it really is amazing. He gets overshadowed because of Scherzer, Scherzer, Bueller, Kershaw, Bauer when he was healthy. But Julio Urias has to be one of the best four or five starters on a team that we've ever seen. And yeah, I think. That's not why – I mean, that's he was brought up under the assumption he would be an ace. But, uh, I mean, if this is – I mean, that's why we say the Dodgers – that's why the Dodgers should be the prohibited favorite. In the World pitching, pitching, and more pitching. Also, for whatever it's worth, Jose Abreu led the AL in hits last year. He weighs less than – he weighs more than Black. And there's your answer. Saves leader with 36, Mark Melanson. Innings pitch at 180 and two-thirds. Zach Wheeler, strikeouts leader, is Wheeler with 217. And your whip leader, Max Scherzer, with 0.86. Overall, Scherzer making a big jump off the leading boards. Uh, we'll see how the awards race plays out down the stretch. A couple players and teams of the week. Shout-out to the Rays. They had a 78 winning percentage in August and 786 in May. They're the first team since the 1944 Cardinals to have two different months with a winning percentage of 70-75 or better in a season. And not only that, they also became the first team in baseball history uh, with 13 different players recording a saves. That broke a tie with last year's Tampa Bay Club and the 1973 Rangers for the single season record. Um, that's a little wonky. I know we're in the era of free-flowing bull, free bullpens, but 13 different players recording a saves would have been unheard of as recent as five years ago. Did I even think last year? 13 different players recording a save is bonkers. You uh, like to have that ninth inning locked down. You like to know that you're giving the ball to the guy who wants to gather. 
couple players of the week. Shout out to Daniel Vogelback, who joined MLB's Ultimate Slam Club uh, with a walk-off Grand Slam Saturday for the Brewers and a 6-5 victory. Uh, excuse me, that was actually on Sunday. And he was the 28th player to record a bases-loaded walk-off home run with his team entering its final at-bat trailing three home runs. It was the first since Ryan Braun did it for the Brewers in 2008 in franchise history. Shout out to Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. Yeah, uh, Wainwright this week went six scoreless innings, gave up the ball with an out recorded in the seventh, and Yadier Molina, uh, he had a grand slam with his final swing in the game, and they are the fourth battery with 300 career starts together, uh, which is only behind Mickey Lolich and Bill Freehand at 324, Rowan Spahn and Del Crandall at 316, and Red Farber and Ray Schlack at 306. But uh, Wainwright has now been pitching with Yachty behind the dish for 85% of his career starts or 300 or 353. That is the highest percentage of a pitcher's career start caught by one catcher in the modern era, minimum 150 starts since 1900. Can they just make sure that Wainwright and Carpenter, or excuse me, Wainwright and Yachty get their numbers retired together? Because to me, this is a Penn and Teller, Roy and Hobbs, yin and yang type duo where one should always be talked about with the other. Chase, when you say Roy and Hobbs, what do you mean? Jeez, not Roy and Hobbs. I was thinking of uh, – I'm going to let you get this one up here. I'm drawing a Calvin and Hobbs. Yep. I mean, again, Yachty up for one more year. I mean, if Wainwright – it's up to Wainwright. If Wainwright wants to do another year, he's got another year in him. Like the Cardinals, he's been the best pitcher on that Cardinals team that's very much live for the playoffs. It's unbelievable. He'll, he'll get some down ballot Cy Young votes for sure. Wait, I, Chase, what are they? You said they're back three and a half. What are they in the loss? I don't have the standings pulled up anymore, to be honest. I'm gonna pull, I really think they're like one or two back. I mean, Wainwright's been their best pitcher. There's no way around it. Because Flaherty's been out. Flaherty's been hurt. And he was great last year, too. This isn't just like a flash in the pan type of thing. Wainwright has been consistently good. I mean, they are they have 67 losses in the pot. They're three back in the loss. I mean, the Cardinals, if you want decent decent odds on Bovada, bet the Cardinals to get one of the So what do you think was a bigger long shot on Bovada coming into the year? Uh, Shohei Otani leading the league in home runs or Salvador Perez leading the league in home runs? I feel like it would have to be Salvador Perez because Otani always had the potential. Like Otani doing this is what he was always supposed to do. Salvi Perez, we kind of knew what he wasn't. And now all of a sudden he's dropping 40. What's he up to? 42? So this weekend, Salvador Perez launches 39th, 40, and 41st home runs of the season. Uh, it included Perez's sixth multi-homer game of the season and brought him within eight home runs of tying Jose so Jorge Soler's team record of 48 in 2019. Uh, seven now that 41. Obviously, I didn't update the notes. Uh, he joined the short list of catchers at 40 more home runs in the season, becoming the sixth catcher all time to do so. Uh, he gave got his first 100 RBI season, and Johnny Benches got the single season record for uh, home runs by a catcher at 45. It's looking increasingly likely that Salvador Perez is going to set that record uh, or break that record. He needs five more the rest of the year. This is just unbelievable. I know I said last week he tore his ACL. He actually got Tommy John surgery. But for him to come back and become a better hitter the past two years after that surgery, nobody saw this coming. And ultimately, and ultimately a lot of people gave Dayton more shit for giving Salvador Perez a four-year $82 million extension 
uh, earlier this year. That is now looking like it may be the steal of the year. I mean, I can't argue. Because it's not just what this guy does at the plate. This guy is a gold glove catch by the plate. And he's the leader of the team, the unquestioned leader of the team. I mean, you're giving this guy 20 mil a season to be your best player, your, your best hitter, your best defender, the leader of your pitching staff, and your clubhouse leader. You're giving – he's worth every penny of the world. Shout out to the Braves infield. Until Saturday night, only one team in Major League history had each of its starting infielders at 25 or more homers in a season. Surprisingly enough, that was the 2008 Marlins. Uh, Mike Jacobs at 32, Dan Uglet at 32, Hanley Ramirez at 33, and Jorge Cantu had 29. Uh, when Ozzy when I read when I read that tweet, I was trying to guess which four Marlins it was. I got three or four. I don't think I would have gotten Jacobs and Cantu, to be honest. I got a new Cantu. But the uh, the Jacobs one. When Ozzy Albie's on Saturday, it is 25th home run of the season. He not only set his career high against the Rockies, uh, but he also joined Freddie Freeman, Riley, and Swanson in the 20 homer club. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. also had 20 homers this year. Uh, he had 24 before he got hit. And Adam Duvall and Jorge Soler also have 20. Uh, but again, those were split between two teams. This Braves infield, um, honestly, they're young. Albie's is already locked up long term. Swanson and Riley are going to come up in the coming years. Freeman's free agent this year, but I think they'll keep this infield together uh, for the foreseeable future. And that makes for one very dangerous quartet in the American league. Nationally. In the national league. I had a 50, 50 shot there. <laughs> no, that's super dangerous. And that's not including Acuna. And I'm a, they'll, I mean, does Acuna go to center? And if they want to keep an outfield, it's Solaire and Acuna can move off. Yeah, Cunha's your everyday center fielder. Shit. And the other thing, I mean, again, who knows? I don't think I'll ever play for them again, but technically Marcelo Zuna's on the books for four more years. Yeah, I, I, I think Ozuna's time is coming up. Just pointing it out. Who knows if they bring back Jock Peterson, too? A lot of interesting options for Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves. Shout out to Adrian Hauser. He took the mound Saturday for the Brewers. Uh, caught the edge of the zone on one of his signature singers for a called strike against Tommy Edmund against the Cardinals. 4 nothing win. He had a three-hit shutout for the Brewers' first nine-inning complete game since Jimmy Nelson in 2017 and the first shutout since Kyle Lowe's threw one against the Reds in 2014. Those are both two pretty bonkers statistics to me that they haven't had a complete game in four years or a shutout in seven years, but then I remember how Craig Council manages, and it makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah, but it's still bonkers because that team's had – I mean, just look at them now. That, I, I said they have three Cy Young candidates earlier, and this guy, Hauser is not one of them. He's the game four guy, and he might not even be the game four guy because Brett Anderson and Eric Lawler have also been good. I'm going to end with Garrett Cole, but i got to give some love to the Livingston boy, Frank Schwindel. I'm going to admit, when Frankie first came up for the Cubs, uh, us talking about him was a little bit of a meme. He's a Livingston guy moving down the street, had to show him some support. But, I mean, this weekend, he stepped up to the plate Sunday in the bottom of the seventh with the bases loaded and two outs and the Cubs down a run. Worked a 2-2 count, hit a grand slam over the Wrigley Field Ivy. It was a difference as the Cubs won 11-8, and they finished their first four-game sweep of the of the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's taking four in a row August 1st to the 4th in 2011. Uh, Schwindel had six homers over a seven-game stretch last week. And he hit the third go-ahead grand slam of the game, which was an MLB record. Uh, since July 30th, Frank is first in the NL on average, second in slugging, fifth in hits. Uh, he had a walk-off single Saturday, and he had the go-ahead single today. 
Uh, he is the first MLB player with a go-ahead RBI in the sixth inning or later of four straight four straight games over the last 40 years. Right now, his average is up above 340. He's not even listed for the Bavada Rookie of the Year odds. Uh, but given what he's done, he won NL Rookie of the Month last week month for the month of August. Is it possible that Frank hits his way into the Rookie of the Year conversation with just an epic August and September, which is what he's done so far? I mean, again, we said this before. We're talking about a guy who's been probably the best hitter in the National League, period, since August 1st. I haven't thought about that right now. But every day, I mean, Chase, every day for the last two weeks, it feels, one of us is going to text each other, Frank. I mean, the guys, he's what he's put together this last month has been unbelievable. So can he win rookie of the year? Sure, it's rookie of the year. Weird people. Eric Hinsky won rookie. I think if you're a Cubs fan, you're just hoping he's not Brian LaHare. I don't think he's going to be, but I mean, the full body of work, 143 at bats, 49 hits, 11 homers, 33 ribbies, hitting 343 with a 1.036 OPS. If nothing else, I think Frank not only has gotten the city to fall in love with him, but he accomplished what he needed to do, which was have a real opportunity to win a big league job out of spring training next year. And bearing something crazy or Freddie Freeman wanting to be a Cub, I think that they will give him every opportunity to win the job out of spring training next year. I mean, what are they doing if they don't? I mean, what, kind of, what kind of organization are you running if you don't give this guy the opportunity to keep his job? A really shitty rebuild. Um, last but not least, let's talk about the ace of the New York Yankees and the only positive this past week. Garrett Cole, he grew up 15 miles from Angel Stadium. And last week, amongst distractions from his family being in the crowd, ticket request. Uh, he snapped the Yankees four game losing streak and a four, one victory over the angels on Wednesday with seven innings of one run, 15 strikeout ball, one run, four hits, no walks. Uh, it was his highest strikeout total with the New York Yankees. Uh, it was his 10th or excuse me. It was his ninth 10 plus strikeout start of the year time. David Cohen at 98 for the most by Yankees pitcher in the season. So on each of his four starts since returning from the COVID list, allowing two earned runs and 24 and two thirds innings, 0.73 ERA. It was his fifth game with 12-plus strikeouts this season, the most in any single season in Yankees history, and this was the third start in Yankee history with a 15-strikeout and zero-walk performance. Uh, his 30 swings and misses in the game were a career high, and it was his 12th game with 12-plus strikeouts and no walks. The only pitcher in MLB history with more is Randy Johnson with 15. This is why we went out and got Garrett Cole, and I really have nothing to say other than, A, thank God he's on our team, and B, how great is it to watch a bona fide ace for the Yankees? Uh, really, I would say for the first time since CC in 2009. And even CC was not this level. That's CC09. CC09 was great. And CC10 was great. But it was, and you always thought CC would win, but that was largely a product of his. Of the hitters, I still felt like our lineup was carrying us at 09. When Garrett Cole pitches, I, I'm it's the only time in my lifetime as a Yankee fan where I feel like one runs enough. I just think Garrett Cole on the mound, we got him one, we're good to go. So it's fucking sweet. It's been special so far. It's been worth every penny. And uh, you know, Shohei Otani is this transcendent player, obviously, and I've never seen a pitcher make him look as bad as Garrett did. Uh, Garrett, I believe, struck him out four times, which is throwing fastballs by him. He's dialed in. You could see he wants the Cy Young Award. Hopefully he gets there down the stretch, but so far so good in the second half. 
Um, and we're going to move from the Bronx now to across the street in Flushing. And <laughs> the Mets this year, you just really the Mets in the past year and change. You just can't make this shit up. I mean, going back to really when Brody Van Wagenen got hired, you know, yeah, now have the Mickey Calloway and all the sexual harassment stuff. You hire Carlos Beltran to replace him. He never managed the game because of the Astros cheating scandal. You hire Steve Cohen takes over. Cohen later criticizes the players online. Um, but before that, he hires Jared Porter as the GM. He gets fired for sexual harassment. <laughs> You're forgetting they had um, Trevor Bauer volunteered to sign, sent out an email saying he signed with them. He does not. Also true. Javi Baez and Francisco Lindor give the thumbs down to the fans. Boo them. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. I mean, the Bavada odds of all of this team, all of this shit happening to one team would be astronomical. And that's if the story stopped right there. But because it's the Mets, that is never the case. Uh, an acting gen- former acting general, Zach Scott of the New York Mets, was arrested in White Plains, New York, early Tuesday morning, as first rec- reported by the New York Post. The Post reported that police found Scott dozing off in a vehicle, at which point he allegedly refused a breathalyzer but failed the field sobriety test. An officer saw the vehicle in question driving erratically shortly before the arrest, and Scott has been charged and is due back in White Plains Court uh, this Thursday, where he pled, or this past Thursday, where he pled not guilty um, for DUI, for driving under the influence. Uh, the Mets said, we were surprised and deeply disappointed to learn this morning about an alleged DUI involving Zach Scott. We take this matter very seriously. Zach will not be traveling with the team for the upcoming road trip while we learn more and determine the next steps. Scott, this is his first year with the Mets. He was hired out of the Red Sox organization where we oversaw pro scouting and the analytics department. Again, was originally hired as the assistant GM, but took over when Jared Porter was fired. He now has another court date on October 7th. And this was the interesting report that Scott was arrested for driving drunk after previously being at the Connecticut home of team owner Steve Cohen, a fundraiser for the team's amazing Mets Foundation was held at the house and Scott and players were there. But as Joel Sherman reported, the fundraiser at Steve Cohen's house ended around 9, 8.30 or 9. The DUI arrest occurred seven hours after that. Sandy Alderson right now is taking over the team. He is back as on the interim basis as team president of baseball operations. The DWI charges are probably going to stick to Zach Scott. I don't see how he beats this, but... This is just another embarrassing footnote in the history of the New York Mets. It's just unbelievable. The fact that he not only was caught driving drunk, sleeping in his car in White Plains, but the fact that you were coming from the owner's house with players and this happened. And I think this reflects poorly on Steve Cohen, that you are a multi-billionaire and didn't have fucking Ubers or drivers lined up. It just shows that even though they've been playing better on the field the past week, the Mets are and always will be the New York Mets, which is the biggest embarrassment in Major League Baseball year in and year out. Yeah. I'll leave avoid the Mets piece of this for a second. Drunk driving is the easiest thing to avoid in 2021. You, there's no reason to do it. Just call the fucking Uber. Just get a car. If you're coming from Steve Cohen's house, Steve Cohen has billions upon billions of dollars. Have him pay for your ride. Or I'm sure his house is big enough to sleep on the couch. It's very easy to avoid that. We're officially at the point where we are in the territory of you genuinely couldn't write this shit about the Mets if you were writing a Hollywood screenplay because everything is just more ridiculous after the next. Yes, can I ask you a trivia question? Yes. Which famous athlete's court trial was at the White Plains Courthouse? Not OJ. OJ was in California. That's just where I go when I think athlete in courthouse. Um, 
Tiger Woods? I don't know. It was, I'll give you a hint. She was the, she was one of the very few people to be convicted. That's almost two hints. Okay, so I know it's a woman and she was convicted. Oh, um, Tanya Harding? Marion Jones. Would not have guessed that for a second, to be honest with you. Yeah, she, um, for whatever reason, her trial was in White Plains. Interesting. Uh, so transitioning from the Mets and bad leadership to uh, teams that a team that has seen stability in their leadership and is thus inst- extending them. The Mariners announced Wednesday that they promoted GM Jerry DePoto to president of baseball up and signed him to a multi-year contract extension. And the club also announced a multi-year extension for manager Scott Service. Uh, the length of the contracts were not certified. Um, managing partner John Stanton said Jerry's a creative, passionate leader with a clear vision for our franchise. Following the 2018 season, Jerry came with, came to us with a plan on how to compete for and to win championships. He was transparent on the difficulty, but also clear on his goals and milestones. And the two and a half years since he's led the baseball operations group through challenges on and off the field while executing on the timeline he laid out. Uh, the Mariners, up when this extension was signed, were 91 and 76 since the midpoint of last season, which ranked sixth in baseball. The farm system recently topped Baseball America's midseason rankings. Uh, and again, the Mariners are just three and a half games back in the American League wild card race. That is very much outperforming the expectations this year. I think me and you both thought that the Mariners, they were going to be a seller dweller this year. Agreed? I'm not, I don't, I don't like to speak for both of us, but I think that's the I, I'm still shocked that they're not. They, they're, that team on paper, I mean, their guy, Kalenic is, Kalenic's hitting 150. The stud prospects aren't even delivering. I agree. Uh, it's DePoto's sixth full season with the Mariners. He was hired on September 28, 2015. Um, at the time, DePoto was stepping into an organization that had a bloated long-term payroll on one of the game's worst-ranked farms. Seattle did post winning records in Depo- two of DePoto's first three seasons, but did not reach the playoffs. Again, 2018 with Robbins and Cano leading the charge. They were an 89-win team. Uh, but that was when he tore it down there. And again, this new multi-year extension uh, allows him to really oversee the rebuild there. Uh, Jer- uh, Jared Kalenic's already in the bigs. Julio Rodriguez, Emerson Hancock, George Kirby, uh, Nalevi Marte. They could all reach the majors by next year. Uh, and they're all top prospects there. And service like DePoto is in his sixth season with the managers. He worked as an assistant GM in the Angels front office during DePoto's time as GM there, setting a strong foundation for the two. Uh, service are the only, the Mariners are the only club services ever managed. 419 and 422 at the time of an extension, which again was skewed by 68 and 94 in 2019, the first season of the club's rebuild. Has a pair of winning seasons on his record and should add first, a third. No, not the first season of the club's rebuild. The club has not made the playoffs since 2001. They've been in a 20 year rebuild. This was their, that was when they officially tore it down, though. Eight, again, they won 89 wins the year before and were in the playoff race. Uh, service, I think, was an outside the box hire to begin with. You know, I think the Bavada odds that he would get an extension having come over as an assistant GM uh, would have lasted six years in Seattle, probably would have been pretty low. Uh, but again, here we are, and I give him credit. He has done an unbelievable job this year, not only managing with what he has, but when that team traded Kendall Graveman for Abraham Toro, uh, I mean, the players publicly revolted. They spoke out in the media against the trade, uh, but he's kept the ship righted. Jerry DePoto, personally, I don't know if I would have extended him. He has done a lot of wheeling and dealing, some of it that makes our head explode. Yes, he's done. I think you can end it right there. He's done a lot of wheeling and dealing. He's a mad scientist in that regard. Uh, Personally, I think he's a little bit overrated as a GM, but the Mariners are on the right track. They're a little ahead of schedule this year. And again, they still have so many young guys. And who knows? Maybe this is the year they break the bank again. They've done it in the past for Cano, Adrian Beltre. 
Uh, we'll wait and see there. But for the foreseeable future, Scott Service and Jerry Depoto will be in Seattle. And another guy who signed an extension today, uh, breaking news, in fact, is Charlie Morton. They signed, the Braves signed him to a one-year, $20 million extension. Uh, Morton had a slow start in his return to the Braves organization, 508 ERA through his first eight starts. But since then, 295 ERA, 29.9% strikeout rate over his past 20 starts and 119 innings pitched. Overall this year, 347 ERA and 158 frames with the Braves in 2021. I'm going to be honest, Charlie Morton, he was a guy I wanted the Yankees to sign. Uh, when the Braves signed him to that one-year deal, I thought good value. But the Bavada odds that he was going to get more than $20 million as a free agent uh, were very slim. But he's not only been the leader of this rotation, he's been a source of stability here. Uh, what do you think of this move? To me, honestly, on a one-year deal with a, a team option for 2023, I like it for the Braves, and I think it's going to be much better money well spent than when they gave Cole Hamels $18 million last year. Trevor Bauer is the only one year. Bad one year deal, I can think of. And there's no character concerns with Charlie Morton. How do, you, how do you like it as a value for the team, though? I know how you feel about one year deals. What was the number? He got next year is going to make $20 million on a one year deal, and then there's a yeah. club option. The Bra- you're, we always, it's easy to forget the Braves are paying Acuna and Albies next to nothing. And Riley. Riley hasn't an arbitration yet either. I mean, they're paying, they're paying their studs. No, I mean they're gonna have to pay Freeman this offseason, but for whatever reason, I'm I, I still I'm fairly convinced Freeman's gonna take a hometown a hometown discount to stay there. I don't think he'll take a full on discount. I think the floor is twenty five million a year, but he will help them for sure. Yeah, but Freddie twenty five million a year, Freeman very well went back to back MVP. No, it's a bargain. I, I think it's what Harper got AAV wise. I think he'll go. I think eight for two hundred keeps him there till he's forty. Uh, both teams are happy there. And if you're a Braves fan, if you get Mike Soroka back next year and you could go Morton, Max Fried, Ian Anderson, Soroka, you know, uh, the Braves aren't going anywhere regardless, but that's a really good rotation. It's unbelievable. Good for the Braves. Because this is a guy, um, we haven't seen him yet. Didn't Atlanta do it, but Tampa and Houston, you put this guy in the postseason, delivered. He's a big game pitcher all the time. Every time we've seen him do it, big game pitcher. Uh, speaking of free agency, you brought up Freddie Freeman. Uh, Major League Baseball proposed a radical altering of the league's service time structure and collected a bargaining discussions with the MLBPA last month. The league's proposal included an offer to make players eligible for free agency at 29 and a half years of age and also involved a $1 billion pool that will be dispersed in an unspecified manner to replace the league's current arbitration system. Both features would be part of a broader package that we talked about a few weeks ago, which included the lowering of the first luxury tax threshold to $180 million and the institution of a $100 million salary floor. Uh, under the current system, players first qualify for free agency at the end of the season in which they accrue, accrue six full years of MLB service time, which is calculated as 172 days, which again, which is why every year when players are first promoted to the big leagues in late April, it's because that allows them to have their rookie seasons fall just short of that benchmark and allows teams to keep them under team control for another year. Under an age-based system, though, there'd be no incentive for teams to keep prospects down past the time they're deemed ready to play at the major league level. And there would also be a boon to late-blooming players, many of whom have to wait until they're into their 30s and potentially past their physical peaks to market their service around the league. Aaron Judge is an example. Uh, his free agency timeline would be accelerated from next offseason to this winter of eligible at 29 and a half years old. Um, but, again, this year and some of the top free agents, Correa, Seager, Story, 
They all wouldn't be eligible for free agency this offseason if it was granted for players 29 and a half years older. We've seen all of these extensions for young guys. That's because they're going to hit free agency at 26, 27. Instead, they would have to wait another two, three years. So young, extremely talented players who are most likely to land top of the market contracts are also the one most likely impacted by the service time manipulation in the first place. The other big thing I have an issue with this year is that for international players who signed at age 16, that would mean you are under team control for 14 years, which I think is a big, big no now. Um, but the arbitration thing is, is interesting. The current arbitration eligibility is also determined by service time. Players must quali- players qualify for arbitration upon reaching three years of MLB service and players in the top 22% of service time among those with between two and three years of service also reach arbitration as a super two qualifier. The team and player can't agree on a salary. It's decided by a panel of arbitrators who use comparable player salaries often based upon traditional statistics. We've seen the disconnect there the past couple of years, um, but this year arbitration players made about $650 million. So the $1 billion pool would be a rather significant increase, but a revenue-based pool system might be viewed as M- the M- might be viewed by the MLBPA as too closely resembling a salary cap, which the union has always rejected. Uh, so let's go piece by piece here. What do you think of the arbitration thing first? To be honest, I don't hate that idea, um, but they would also need to figure out then when players become eligible for arbitration, because now when it's done by service time, there is a concrete level that you reach it at with this, they would have to come up with something new. So what do you think of the concept as a whole with the billion dollar pool? And what would you set as the threshold for players to reach arbitration? Uh, I guess you would have to go with an age number, right? The age is old. 29 and a half is kind of old. Am I crazy? No, it is old. I, I would I'll basically eliminate the 10 year deals. I think, um, and that's why I think this won't work just because so many different players come up at different think, age. Like, there's to, there's too much, there's too much variance in terms of when guys hit free agency. Harper hit free agency at 27. I mean, Harper came up at what, 18? Harper came up when he was 19. Juan Soto, another guy, 19. Tatis, 20. Acuna, 21. I mean, getting these guys, these top end guys, it's nine, 10 years seems ridiculous. Unless you hit arbitration at 25, 26 years old, because then you could cast out an arbitration for a few years. But then again, what do you do with a guy like a Pete Alonzo who came up at 24, a judge who came up at 25? Um, I appreciate the fact that the owners are throwing out ideas that are unique. And I appreciate the thought. I just think that. Well, I think the owner's, con- the owner's concern would be avoid having to give a bright $300 million to Bryce Harper. But the players' I, union can't rep- the players' union represents more than just the Bryce Harpers. It's harder for fans to kind of grasp. It's harder for us fans to realize, like, oh, like this middle reliever came up here. He's not going to get money in that. So you got to think about every player when you think about these negotiations. And the majority of people aren't Bryce Harper. So on the whole, this is probably good for the players. It just impacts it negatively impacts the stars. That's my thing. I just think I just think when push comes to shove, there's way too much variance in when players come up. I would agree. I don't think this gets done. I think it comes down to a service time issue where I think they're just going to have to. I mean, if I think the simplest solution is you just you just push back the service time. You actually you can't make whatever it, whatever it is now is ridiculous because it got Chris Bryant's the example that we're going to point until we die, it seems. But the Chris Bryant example of all right, the Cubs missed one month of him. Didn't really impact a ton. If you can manipulate it to a, you have to make it to a point where not bringing up these stud prospects actually impacts your postseason, your chances of making the playoffs. 
And to answer your question, it did impact the Cubs in 2015. Oh, they were the wild card. So they they were finished what? They finished three games out in the division, and I think if Bryant's playing an extra month, they win an extra three games. That's my TED talk on that. Yeah, no, that's certainly possible. Uh, but, I mean, all's well that ends for Chicago since they got that win the next year. So with September in baseball comes September call-ups. Uh, under current rules, Major League Baseball teams are allowed to carry 26 players on their everyday active rosters. Clubs can add a 27th player on days in which they play a doubleheader. But in September, those roster limits expand to 28, which is 29 on doubleheader days. Teams must use every one of those 28 spots and can also carry a five-player taxi squad with them on road trips. Prior to 2020, Major League rosters could expand to include as many members of the system 40-man rosters the front office wanted. While the extra help in the heat of a playoff race was certainly welcome, bloated rosters often led to lengthy games and teams playing with very different roster priorities. Capping the roster to still expand to 28, give Major League clubs that extra boost towards the end of the season while making sure matters don't get too out of hand. Interestingly enough, I didn't know this. Um, right now, they're still working with the COVID protocol that uh, clubs can promote only AAA players directly to the majors due to their Tier 1 status for COVID vaccination. And I actually take that back. That happened last year. This year in 2021, uh, players from any levels could be promoted, but if a player is not vaccinated, then they must still be in AAA prior to their arrival in the majors. Uh, before 2020, days spent on a major league roster did not count towards rookie eligibility if they came in September. That changed last year. That's going to stick in 2021. Days spent on the active major league roster will count towards the 45 needed to graduate from rookie status. Uh, some notable names that came up with the deadline, Chris Davis, Nate Pearson, Shelby Miller. The Dodgers called up Neftali Feliz today. When was the last time you heard of Neftali Feliz? I'm like, I mean, I, I think about Neftali Feliz a lot because I've gotten really into Sporka lately, and he's a rookie of the year guy. 2010 rookie of the year? Him and Posey. It's a good duo. I mean, both obviously came well, up. It's a good duo, Neftali Feliz is like fell off the face of the earth. I mean, but relative to their rookie seasons, I mean, he was the closer on the team that made it to the World Series that year. Yeah, it was two guys that won the pennant. Uh, the flip side of that, some notable names also got sent down, one of which was Victor Robles. He got sent down to AAA Rochester. He finds himself in the minors for the first time since 2018. I mean, this guy was a top 10 prospect in baseball. He was a center fielder on the Nats World Series team in 2019. And at 22 years old, seemed like he was going to emerge as an all-star since the start of 2020, though, 209, 304, 302 line, over 558 plate appearances. Pretty jarring to see a player like that get sent down, but that's why you play the game. I, I mean, he's just – I mean, if I'm a Nationals fan, I think at least Soto panned out. That's how they'll think until he leaves for greener pastures. Uh, my question for you is, I was never a big fan of the 40-man rosters. I thought it was too much, and Buck Showalter was always an advocate of this. Uh, it fundamentally changed how you played the game in September, which are, in theory, the most important games. The pennant races come down to their conclusion. But do you think 28 is a good number? To me, that seems too low – I think 30 is a good number because it allows team to bring teams to bring up a couple arms to keep the pitching fresh, but also a bat or two uh, that could have an impact down the stretch. Again, it kind of gets to that point. Of, it's similar to the point I was talking about with free agency, where you're looking at the better players a lot of the time. And Showalter's point is correct. If you're looking at a team competing for the World Series. But if you're a team, let's just pick the Tigers for fun. If you're the Tigers, you want to get as many people on the roster as possible and see what you have. So the 40 works out very well in, for them. But if you're a team with World Series aspirations, like the Dodgers, like the Yankees, I mean, the 40-man's cool, but you don't really need Naftali Feliz on there. I mean, 
Well, that's why I think 30 is perfect because it allows them to assess a top prospect. Well, I think, thir- I think you want it lower. No, I think you want it closer to that 25, 26 number opposed to the 40. So 30 is cool, and it's a nice round number, so it doesn't seem random. So transitioning back to the New York Mets, this is where we're going to give the Mets some positive news. Um, but coming into the year, Brad Hand was probably the best closer in baseball last year. Uh, the postseason notwithstanding when the Yankees lit him up. He led baseball in saves. Uh, so the Bavada odds that he would get non-tendered heading into 2021. Uh, and then on three different teams were probably pretty slim. Uh, but the Blue Jays designated him for assignment earlier this week. He was acquired at the trade deadline. Uh, it was pretty piss poor. At eight and two-thirds with the Jays, he had 10 runs allowed. Seven earned on 13 hits, three walks with 15 with five strikeouts. Of those 13 hits, three of them were home runs. Uh, so when he got DFA, he signed with the New York Mets because he was acquired after August 31st. He's ineligible for the Mets playoff roster. Uh, but all in all, Hand has had his up and downs this year. But he was pretty solid with the Nats before going to Toronto. And uh, you can never have enough lefty relief pitchers. Sandy Alderson actually said that if he was in charge of the Mets. Uh, when he was not Brad Hand was non-tendered, he would have signed him and claimed them off the waivers for $10 million. Uh, any thoughts on this move for the Mets? To me, doesn't move the needle too much, but we saw Edwin Diaz blow yet another save down this, uh, today uh, against the Nationals. Maybe Brad Hand could be a factor in flushing down the stretch. I mean, there's two things. I If I was running a GM, if I was GM of a baseball team, there's two things. That I'm, pretty, I'm, too, I'm consistent with two things. No such thing as a bad one-year deal, and you can never have enough bullpen arms. So just get an extra bullpen arm for the end of the year. I'm very much in favor. Of so like, I, I know he sucks. Like there's times that if you ask any Blue Jays fan, they would tell you Brad Hand sucks. And he's been on my fantasy team for most of the year. So I know he sucks. I appreciate your candor. Uh, we <laughs> talked about, But again, he's a guy you give the ball to and you trust. I don't want him closing games for me. But if he's pitching the seventh, I'm happy. So when we were talking about how you couldn't make this shit up from a negative standpoint from the Mets, we also have to include the positive. Uh, Francisco Lindor and Javi Baez both apologized for their thumbs down uh, celebration, which was basically them doing the fans. But then Tuesday after the apology, Javi Baez led the Mets to a walk-off 6-5 win over the Marlins. Uh, it was the resumption of an April 11th suspended game at City Field. And after the game, Baez lost an earring at home plate, which led, for Sandy, led Sandy Alderson to join a search crew looking for the earring. They didn't find it, uh, but again, incredible that bias comes through with that huge moment uh, and really regains the love of How the fans. How did he not find the year? I'm assuming it was huge too, which makes it even crazier. Uh, bias also had a four for four game. Mets are heating up a little bit. He's back in the good graces, but I just wanted to include this game because it is the game that is probably going to break baseball reference because bias scored both the the run the winning run for both the Mets on the April 11th game because this was suspended and the only run for the Cubs on April 11th. So the box scores will show that he scored runs for two teams on the same day. Uh, Brandon Nemo officially hit his first home run of the 2021 season and has five of the year. Uh, But again, he hit it on August 31st, but the books say April 11th. And since the Mets makeup game counts towards the game that started on April 11th, Javi Baez is the second player since 1901 with an RBI for multiple teams on the same day, joining Cliff Johnson in 1980. And the length of that game was 142 days and four hours. The length of the entire 2018 to 19 offseason was 142 days and six hours. Little fun quirk there. Uh, Baez, we dumped on you a lot last week, but you came through in the clutch this week. Did a little storybook ending there uh, for the New York Mets, which is nice. And transitioning to COVID news, 
A lot of COVID news this week. Not great. Uh, for the Chicago Cubs, David Ross and president of Baseball Ops, Jed Hoyer, both tested positive for COVID-19. Andy Green is going to be the interim manager there. And it should be noted that the Cubs are among a handful of big leagues teams that have failed to reach the 85% vaccination threshold required for the re relaxation of the COVID-19 protocols. The team also issued a COVID-19 vaccine mandate for its non-playing employees this past week. Employees have to be fully vaccinated by October 4th. Astros, Zach Greinke is on the COVID list. For the Giants, Alex Wood tested positive on the COVID list. Uh, but the big one this week was the Braves. Uh, Nick Pavetta was placed on the COVID list Sunday, and the Red Sox then announced that Danny Santana was also going on the COVID IL, marking the 11th player overall, six position players in the and five position players in the last 10 days with COVID. That list includes Kike Hernandez, Bogarts, Matt Barnes, Christian Arroyo, Hurak. Wow, this name is a doozy. Hurakuzu. Salamora, Martin Perez, and Yaro Munez. They all tested positive to COVID-19 dating back to August 27th. Josh Taylor was also placed on the injured list due to being a close contact. Uh, if you're Major League Baseball, it's getting late in the game. We're still having a lot of outbreaks here. How nervous are you getting with the postseason around the corner, uh, especially given both the Red Sox, Astros, and Giants? They're all going to be participating in the postseason in all likelihood. <laughs> I'm very precautious when it comes to public health matters. Major League Baseball is not. If they if they're okay not canceling, I don't think any games have been canceled, or at least I I think the Mets opening series was. If I can remember back to April, that's the only one that comes to mind for me. Because did the Yankees ever have a game get canceled during our outbreak? No, right? I don't think so. And as long as these games aren't getting canceled, I think baseball just pushes through. So I guess the and you have to I think they're of the mindset that enough players in look should look I'll give full across sports here full credit to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Atlanta Falcons for being NFL fully vaccinated. Um, as long as enough players are vaccinated and the Major League Baseball feels comfortable putting the games out there, because that's what it's all. It's all about the playoff TV money. That's really what this stuff boils down to. They want that playoff television revenue. And as long as they're in a spot where they don't have to cancel games, they'll just let it ride. And amazingly enough, the Red Sox, since this outbreak, have actually picked up games on the New York Yankees. Go figure. Uh, the Nationals are the first known MLB team to part ways with unvaccinated front office employees. Uh, they made multiple personnel changes this week, a uh, few related to people who have not gotten the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, and one piece of news that bummed me out, John Smoltz always struck me as a moron, but maybe that's because he hates the Yankees going back to his playing days. Uh, but him and Al Leiter, they will no longer appear in studio for MLB Network after refusing to take the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, MLB Network has made it mandatory for all employees to be vaccinated with the mandate going into effect September 1st. MLB Network executive Smoltz and Leiter made a compromise to keep them on the air, but not in the Chicago studios. They were both, they were both appear remotely for the shows. Smoltz will also still call division game series on site in October. And they are both regular in-studio analysts for the network. If you're Joe Buck, given how much you travel and how big the fall is for you with the MLB postseason in football, at what point are you putting your foot down and saying, fuck this in terms of having Smoltz as your broadcast partner, if Smoltz is now publicly refusing to get vaccinated? Nobody travels more from September to December than Joe Buck. Yeah, I, I don't know what the nature of their relationship is, but if they're not best friends, Joe Buck's got to just tell Smoltz to go F himself. As a baseball fan, we may be dodging a bullet because I think Smoltz is insufferable to listen to. But 
Yeah, get Troy Aikman on the phone too and say, Smoltz, step it up, dude. You're not fucking with my broadcast partner. It's just look, I I just you know me, man. Just get your fucking vaccination. Trey. Shots and arms. Uh, speaking of guys who need some shots because they are on the injured list, a couple big injuries this week, three for the White Sox, three All-Stars. Lance Lynn on the 10-day injured list retroactive to August 29th with right knee inflammation. Lucas Giolito on the 10-day injured list retroactive to, to September 1st with a left hamstring strain. And Tim Anderson on the 10-day injured list with a strained right hamstring. Look, the White Sox have that division wrapped up, so they're probably just being extra, extra cautious here. But given these three guys are on the injured list in September now, Rodone's battled injuries. Eloy and Luis Robert, they both came back from huge injuries and surgeries of their own. At what point do you think we're going to start to see the Bavada odds for the White Sox to win the World Series shift, just knowing how banged up this team has now been uh, the last couple months of the year? Hopefully soon so we can pounce on it. We got, I still like that team. Man, I really, really like this team. And I, and like you can just sh- I know this isn't the question you asked. But shit on him all you want. You can say he's too old. LaRusso knows how to manage baseball games. Like, I mean, no one's going to say otherwise, but I trust that guy in October. I still really like the White Sox. Not going to give you any grief there. Uh, Zach Britton, he's out for the year. He is getting about time. Yeah, I mean, not, not – like, I hate to say it, but I, it's – look – I feel I, I I always hate when people's finances become in jeopardy given their medical situations, even if it's an injury. But get Zach Britton, from a fan perspective, he did something you cannot can't stand players who vaunt who who say they can't handle the pressure. Like what do, what are we supposed to do as fans when he says publicly that he can't take the closer role? And he's getting paid $14 million a year to say that. Like, what are we, how do you root for that? How do you root for that? Yeah, I have a hard time rooting for people. I like taking on challenges. He, he's hiding from challenges. He's getting surgery to remove bone chips from his left elbow. Uh, they're going to examine. Seems like a made-up surgery, if you ask me. They're going to examine the UCL there. Kent Maeda up to update last week. He's getting Tommy John surgery. He'll be out at least the next year, uh, which is too bad. I mean, again, this was the runner-up in the Cy Young voting last year. He's always had a solid career, but again, those innings caught up with him. Mentioned it before, but Willie Adamas, 10-day injured list with a left quad strain per team announcement. Uh, AJ Pollock, grade two hamstring strain. He'll miss two to three weeks at a bare minimum. Doesn't feel, they, have a, they have an all-star. Game. I just want to give a shout-out, though, because AJ Pollock this year, 16 homers, 295, 351, 504 slash line, 131 WRC+. plus. I know it won't be the case, but if one of them are starting in the postseason, it should be Pollock over Bellinger. He has been overwhelmingly better than Cody this year. Not even close. Bellinger has been not not even holding to an MVP MVP standard. He's been bad. He's been a bad big league player. Just got to give a shout out to players when they rebound from injuries like Pollock. Uh, Jonathan Loizga, this was the big one for us, though. 10-day injured list with a right shoulder strain. He won't throw for at least 10 days. You could call me crazy. I'm talking about legitimate injuries here, nothing COVID-related. Of all of the Yankee injuries this year, in terms of time, especially when timing is factored in, this may be the most detrimental. We saw on Sunday, Chapman can't be trusted. He blew a game against the Orioles. The rest of the bullpen's not deep. This was the one guy who could consistently take the ball and give you multiple high-leverage successful innings. He's got a 2-2-5 ERA in 68 innings this year. This really hurts. There's no other way to say it. 
I love bullpen arms, and this guy's been the one we can trust. Not good. Not good to lose him. Not good at all whatsoever. couple miscellaneous stories and tweets to wrap up this week's show. Uh, for the Giants, shout out to Ron Wotus. Uh, he's stepping down as a full-time coach after the season is over per a, time announce- for, per a team announcement. He joined the team's coaching staff in 98 as a third base coach, served as bench coach after that for the next 19 seasons, and returned to third base duties prior to the 2018 season. He's going to transition to a role in baseball operation departments going forward. But again, this guy served under Dusty, under now Gabe Kapler. He served under Bochi. He served under Felipe Alou. This guy has seen some shit with the Giants and has been there from the beginning. Shout out to Ron Botis on a remarkably successful career in baseball. Uh, the flip side for the Giants, a big negative. Stadium workers at Oracle Park on Saturday voted overwhelmingly to strike. Uh, at least 20 concession workers have contracted COVID-19 since the stadium reopened this season. Uh, 96.7% of the active stadium workers voted to strike. They got the playoffs coming up soon. Um, if you're the Giants owners, what are you going to do about this? Because you need to nip this in the butt ASAP because fans are going to be coming out in force in September. I mean, what do you have? I mean, they're one, they're in San Francisco, so making making a liberal motion isn't unheard of. I mean, I don't understand why all teams don't mandate vaccine. I mean, don't all I'm sure the Giants already mandate vaccinations. Proof I, would, of I would think, given where they are in the Bay Area, that's almost 100% correct. And, like, I mean, I don't, like, I don't know what else you can do. I mean, you have, I guess, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, how to solve for, like, like it, I don't know what the testing looks like. If there's a way to wrap, like, I don't think there's a 30-second test that you could force people to take on the way to the stadium. If there was, they'd do it. I just, thought this, I just thought this was something interesting and noteworthy because you don't hear this very often, especially of a contending team a couple weeks from the postseason. No, this was interesting. I'm definitely going to think about this a lot. You'll get a call from me tomorrow. Shout out to two father-son duos. Uh, the first is that when the Reds uh, called up the line on DeShields Jr., his father is the first base coach. Always cool to see a father-son duo there. Uh, and shout out to the Guerreros. Vlad Jr. hit his 40th home run today. They became the second father-son duo to hit 40 home runs in a season, joining the Fielders. Yeah. Um, Prince Fielder. I know you can't get enough of them, but uh, I look yeah. back at the numbers today and really is going to be one of the ultimate what-ifs of baseball in the past 50 years, in my opinion, because he was on his way to a slam-dunk Hall of Fame career, even with slowing down in his early 30s. I mean, I feel bad for Prince always. Uh, I think he lost out an MVP or two to Albert. Who had another bomb today? Or did he end it? up? No, he didn't end up hitting one today. He did yesterday. I was actually – I was very upset that they didn't play him today, to be honest, because this was his second time back in St. Louis in the past decade. Wow. Well, again, where they had Mad Max on the mound, they were fine. He's so good. I'm – I know we started the show with this, but uh, I'm I, I like Max. I like I like when I watch. I like dominant teams in sports. I like Alabama football. I like Clemson football. I I like when the same guys keep winning. So I like I want Max Scherzer to win the side. Got to give a shout out to Yankee Spanish radio play by man Ricky Ricardo. Uh, and yes, Ricky Ricardo. No way. I wish I was. I was going to say I wish I was messing with you, but his name is actually Ricky Ricardo. Uh, so now that we got that out of the way, the New York tri-state area got slammed by rain. 
uh, rain and flooding on Wednesday. And Ricky Ricardo actually helped John Sterling out of his flooding car uh, and saved his life on Wednesday when they both called the game from Yankee Stadium. Uh, that's pretty crazy to me that John Sterling literally almost died Wednesday. I feel like that has not been talked about nearly enough. Yeah, I mean, hopefully everybody's recovered from that way because I know a lot of people lost their lives. That was not fun for anybody. Yep, I was in Los Angeles, but I saw some of the pictures and videos. I hope everyone's doing okay. Crazy. I know, again, we, just since we're doing this and we're talking about the rain, did you see that Philadelphia news anchor? <laughs> there was a there was in Philadelphia. There was the Fox station, local Fox station in Philadelphia. Um, they said there at the day after the rain, they pulled up a video of a trash can floating away, and, uh, drifting away in the, in the flooding, and they said, "Here's a video of Ben Simmons getting out of town." <laughs> Philadelphia is ruthless. I also got to give a shout out to the Somerset Patriots. Their field was fully emerged in water, submerged Wednesday. And uh, by Friday, they got the field back, which is just an incredible testament to the staff and the community because that was really, really bad looking. I mean, yeah, hopefully everyone's okay. All right, some stats, uh, some standout statistics from the week. Robbie Ray, his 1,241 strikeouts are the most in MLB history through a player's first 1,000 innings pitched. Uh, for anyone who doubts Stan is going to be a, a Hall of Famer, he has 337 career home runs at 31 years old. Uh, Miguel Cabrera reached 538, so Stan would need to just average 23 home runs per year in the next couple years. Yeah, he's fine. And his walk-off single Friday at 121.1 miles per hour was the hardest hit ball for a walk-off track by, track by StatCast since 2015. Uh, shout but out I to think – True or false, StatCast was invented for this guy. I think it was invented for Jack Carlos. I think he has was, all. Of it. I think he was certainly kept in mind during it. Uh, shout out to Juan Soto. He's the only player in baseball with more walks than strikeouts that has qualified for the batting title. Uh, and again, it's not even close. Twenty-five more walks than strikeouts. And this was tweeted on September first. If he failed to reach base in his next fifty-three trips to the plate, Juan Soto would still have a four hundred on base percentage of the season. That's bonkers. That's like a full 10, 11. That's almost two weeks of getting going to the plate and not getting on base once, and you would still have an OBP above 400. He is so good at baseball. His – he's an – I, I wonder about Washington because it seems like they're going to be in the, in the metaphorical tank for a while now, but they happen to have a guy who's arguably the best in the league. Shout Which I think baseball is the only – is baseball the only sport where you could have an MVP caliber player in the second? Yeah, because otherwise in football and basketball, you those guys can usually will you to enough points to win. So it's very interesting to see what goes on with that. Shout out to Abraham Toro. He had a grand slam off Kendall Graveman this week in the Astros-Mariners game. First play in MLB history to get a grand slam off of a pitcher who he was traded for earlier that season. Ahmed Rosario of the Indians, first player in MLB history to go five for five with five plus ribbies and an inside and over the fence home run in the same game since RBIs became an official stat in 1920. Blake Snell was the first pitcher since 1900 in a nine-inning game to pitch seven-plus innings, strike out 10 batters, and allow no hits, but not finish the game. Shohei Otani on the flip side of that, fifth player in MLB history with at least 40 home runs, five triples, 65, 65 walks, and 20 steals in a season, joining Curtis Granderson, Barry Bonds, Brady Anderson, and Willie Mays. Shout-out to Aaron Judge. Including this season, Judge has four seasons with five-plus five plus 
Baseball reference worst since 2017, the most among all position players in Major League Baseball. Sunday was the first time that four teams had a five-plus run inning in the ninth or later on the same day since July 3rd, 1940. The Phillies have now won seven games against the Nationals this year in which they once trailed by at least three runs. And this week they scored at least seven runs in seven consecutive games for the first time since 1933. From Joe Block, the Pirates set a major league record for the most consecutive games without a pass ball at 175. So nothing else, Pirates. You have that to look back to as That's a fan nice. this year. That makes me happy. And this one came from Devin Fink to rock it out, to uh, wrap this up. Andres Machado is pitching for the Nationals and Rin Harper is also on this team. So after all that, Washington did end up with both Harper and Machado. Let's see. I like that less than the Blake Snell thing. Or not the Blake Snell thing, the Pirates thing. Pirates, congratulations. No pass balls for a full plus season. All right, which is pretty remarkable as I'm thinking about it now. That's, 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 I don't know why that's so good, but it is. It's a very obscure fact, but a great one nonetheless. That's all I got for this week. Any concluding thoughts for this week's show? Uh, people of New Orleans, get well uh, and get your vaccines. I'm like, but I, honestly, that Blake Snell thing is real. Like, the Blake Snell fact you laid out there, that's the one that's really interesting to me. He just doesn't go deep. In, I know he just doesn't go deep into games. He's the stereotypical modern baseball starter. I mean, he was only – they pulled him at 107 pitches, no hits. Sad. I got three shout-outs. One involves Louisiana. Shout-out to the UCLA Bruins taking care of business against LSU at the Rose Bowl this weekend. 38-27 win. 2-0. We're going to be ranked. You said it before the show. This looks like a Chip Kelly offense. Bruins are back. It's a great time to be a Bruins fan. Uh, Shout-out to the New York Giants. We opened this Sunday against the Denver Broncos at 425 Eastern time. Do I think we're going to win? Probably not. Do I think Bryce and I are going to drink a lot of beer and eat a lot of chicken wings during the game? Almost definitely. I would hammer those odds. Uh, and last but not least, shout out to Burn the Trash Cans, my fantasy baseball team, who has officially clinched wire to wire first place. I will be the number one overall seed and get a buy in the playoffs. I believe you are still in the playoff race. I am rooting for you to get that six seed. Yeah, do what we can. The bullpen was a fight. I'm working net, next. I'm more excited for next season when we get the Otani as the twenty first as the twenty first. Very great value for there, you there in a keeper league. Uh, enjoy the week. Have a good one. Football starts. Baseball's heating up. Stay safe out there. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Midorski, and this is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show.